So let's go ahead and get started. Obviously, it's the first Sunday of 2022, which is kind of an exciting day for me as the, the pastor because it's like, okay, here we are, a brand new year, a whole new thing. And, and so as I kind of was putting this together, we're going to kind of have like a standalone service or, 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 or message this morning where we're starting a new series next week entitled Greater that I'm very excited about. But this week, I kind of wanted to, to look at some things that I believe have been going on. I've entitled the message, The Season. The season, and I really believe that God has kind of laid some things on my heart as far as kind of uh, where we've been over the last even couple of years and even to where God is moving us now. And here's the thing, as, as we look at scripture, we look at what Jesus taught and many times he used the idea of seasons and he used the idea of times to help us understand what was going on and when he, he talked about, hey, you know, when, when this happens, when you see a tree do this, then you know this is coming. And so in a lot of ways throughout the last, literally the last couple of years, I've been kind of in this mode of going, God, what is going on? I, I, what season are we in? What, what is going on with all the COVID and all the just things going on in our culture? It's like I wanted to kind of go, God, where are we? Where are we as far as all that's going on and all that's taking place right now? And, and, and this, is kind of, this message has kind of been birthed out of literally a couple of years of trying to decipher, with God's help, the season. Through God's word and, and, and God's wisdom to try to say, God, where are we at? And I'm not even talking necessarily about on the timeline of, of, of end time prophecy. And although I believe we're, we're getting closer, obviously, by the day of Jesus' return and all those things. But, but just where are we? What season are we really in as a church, as a culture, as, 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 as this country? Where are we at? And even as the world, what season are we really in? Before we get into this, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this morning and this time. And pray, I, God, I just pray that you would just be with us, that you would just help me to communicate the words that I believe you've laid on my heart for this moment and this season and in this time. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So anytime we look at this and anytime we try to figure out the seasons, we first need to look at something important, and that's this. What do we believe Jesus is doing in the season? What is Jesus doing in the season that we're in? Because what we can do is if we see what Jesus is doing, that'll give us a very clear understanding or a clearer understanding of the season that we're in. Now, before you put it up there, Monica, we're going to be in Matthew 3 this morning. That's going to be our, our text that we're going to look at. We're going to look at other scripture as well. But I want to kind of give you this understanding of Matthew 3. Matthew starts his gospel, and we talk about this at Christmas time, in Matthew 1 with the genealogy of Jesus. He basically starts with this idea of, of Jesus' birth and, and all these sort of things as far as how we got there and things of that nature. Then we get to Matthew 2. In Matthew 2, Matthew tells us about the, the Magi coming from the east and, and the flight away to Egypt and the return to Nazareth and all these sort of things. And that brings us basically to Matthew 3. In Matthew 3, we hear about John. Not John the, 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 the disciple, but John the Baptist. We hear about Jesus' cousin, John. And John is a man that has been out and he's preaching a, 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 a baptism of repentance. He's been, he's kind of crazy. He's kind of crazy looking. He's kind of crazy doing. He kind of eats weird things and does strange things. And so we kind of have this interesting flow as Matthew is written from the genealogy of Jesus then to kind of the Christmas story that Matthew shares with us. And then we get into 
Matthew 3. And I thought it was very interesting that the, the text that we're going to be looking at follows Matthew's story of Christmas. That's where we're at. We just had Christmas. I know we still have some of the Christmas things up and, and, and those will be gone this week. So enjoy them right now while you have them. But now in Matthew 3, the story shifts. In Matthew 3, the season begins to change a little bit. And so John the Baptist, who is a forerunner of Jesus, begins to share about Jesus. He begins to a little bit prophesy about Jesus and tell us a little bit about him. And that's what we see in Matthew 3. So in Matthew 3, verses 11 and 12, we're going to look at those this morning. That's kind of our, our main verse for this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or on your phones, or it'll be up on the screen. And this is what it says. This is John Baptist speaking. He says, I baptize you. With water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He's obviously speaking of Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, typically, that's kind of where we have stopped in a lot of sermons and a lot of messages is this idea of, of Holy Spirit and fire, that he'll baptize you in those things. We'll talk about those in a minute. But John continues... And I think it's important because I think this really helps us see a little bit deeper what season that we are in. For verse number 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Okay, verse 12 is very interesting. Okay, now a lot of us, we don't know what a winnowing fork is. And so I thought I would show you what one looks like. So Monica, if you throw that up, that's a winnowing fork. That's an ancient winnowing fork. It kind of looks like a rake. Um, probably, as I was kind of learning about this uh, a couple of years ago, the, the concept is kind of like what we have that's similar is kind of like a pitchfork, okay, that we use to use on hay. But this is a winnowing fork. And basically, let me kind of explain to you what this process would look like or what John is trying to help his readers or hearers understand as he's telling this prophecy about Jesus. What people would do at this time is they would gather their wheat, Okay, they would gather it up and they would go to a place called a threshing floor. At the threshing floor, in this place where they would do this, it would be kind of, it could be different types of places, but basically they would throw this wheat onto the ground. Typically it was stone, but it could be on the ground as well. And they would then begin to march or walk on this wheat situation. And as they did that, as they kind of did those types of movements, it would kind of begin to break apart the chaff from the wheat, the stuff that they actually could use to make flour and bread and so on and so forth, okay? So they would march around on it and that would separate everything. Then they would take a winnowing fork. And what they would do is they would take the winnowing fork and they would go into this pile that was on their threshing floor and they would begin to throw the, the pile up into the air. Okay, Monica, go ahead and throw that next picture up there, if you will. This is actually someone doing this process right here. So basically what he's doing is he's taking that and he's going in and he's throwing it up in the air. As that process would take place, the wheat kernels, I don't know if that's the right term, but the wheat would basically is heavier than the chaff. So what would happen is as they would throw that up in the air, the wind would take the chaff and blow the chaff away. And the wheat, the things that they would need to make bread and so on and so forth, would then fall down to the ground. After this process, it took a lot of time to get all this separated out and things like that. Well, then what the farmer would do or the person, they would gather their wheat 
the thing that, was, that they would need, and they would put it in their barn until they were ready to use it, and so on and so forth. So this concept of, of this, this process is what John is trying to help his, his hearers understand and see, because they obviously would have known exactly what John is talking about here. So John, in his prophecy about Jesus, says that Jesus is going to be doing basically three different things, and, and, and one is broken up into two. He says he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and that he's also going to be using this fork, and he's going to be throwing things up into the air. If we have been in a season where we are at right now is this, and this is in your notes, I wanted you to get this, and I'll explain, I'll expound on this in a moment, but I believe this is a season of empowerment, purity, and separation. Empowerment, purity, and separation. Now let me explain those individually. I believe that God has come to give us the Holy Spirit so that we can have the power to be witnesses. We've talked about that in other messages and things like that. I believe Jesus came to give us that power to be his witnesses, to go into all the world and make disciples as we hear about at the end of Matthew. But also we see this idea of fire. Fire burns things, but fire also purifies things. When you have something that is good, gold or silver, what do you do? You would take it in and they would heat it up and they would take those impurities, they'd scrape them off the top so that the gold would become more pure and more useful and things of that nature. So we see those things have been usually talked about quite a bit. This idea of purity through that fire and empowerment through the Holy Spirit. However, in verse 12, we see something that we don't always talk about. And that is this idea of Jesus coming to separate. We saw that in verse 12. It says, he will separate these things. He will basically take his fork and clear his fleshing floor and and separate basically the wheat from the chaff. That's exactly what this idea was as they would throw that up into the air. And here's the thing. One of the things I enjoy doing probably more than I should is I like to go and look, look at statistics, see what's going on nationally in the church as far as uh, things, you know, as far as what people believe and things like that. And what we are seeing through every basically metric that we can see over the last couple of years is I believe we are seeing a separation in the church like we have never seen before. One of the articles I read broke it down this way, and I quote, The days of Christianity being an hour a week and $20 in the offering plate are effectively over. Now, I believe that in a lot of ways, this always has been going on. But I believe what we have seen in the last few years has been an increasing, that that, that has sped up a lot. And here's what's interesting, is, is every pastor that I've talked to, when I talk to district leaders, when I look at everything, I'm hearing exactly the same thing. And that's this. We have seen our church as a whole shrink over the last two years. And, and, and they're, ta- they're not talking about, you know, online and all the, They're talking about as a whole, we have seen that happen but what I've found is that in every case that I've ha- talked to these individuals, and I've talked to people from, from this state and other states, all, really all over the country, what we are seeing is, and I really believe this is happening, a separation of the wheat from the chaff. 
Now, here's the thing. If you go, well, I might be kind of the chaff. Hey, listen, it's not too late, okay? This is not a, it's over, it's done. It is a, a message to help us understand that we need to make sure that we are the wheat. But I believe that's we are seeing that like we have never seen it before. And here's the thing. We like to look at that concept of empowerment and purity, but separation is something that we also need to understand that Jesus came to do. He came to separate some things. He came to separate those things. And so I'm just going to be honest with you. I do believe the days of lukewarm Christianity are done because I don't believe things are going to get better and I don't believe things are going to get easier. I think it's going to take some people who are willing to say, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what I'm called. I don't care. I will stand for God. I will stand for him. And what's so awesome about this prophecy is to do that, to help us to do that. God has empowered us and brought purity in our lives to make that realistic and make that possible in our hearts and in our lives. So here's the thing. With that in mind, understanding what I believe the season to be for our church, for our community, for our world. What I, Now we have to move on to something a little different. What I believe God is asking us to do in this season. Understanding what the season is. Understanding that things probably are not going to get extremely better if we understand scripture. It's going to get harder. What would God want us to do in this season. And I believe it's very simple, but not easy to do. And I believe we see it very clearly spelled out for us in Joshua 3. In Joshua 3, 5, the first part of that, this is what Joshua says. This is from God. He's told them they're getting ready to go and cross into the promised land to, to, to fight for their victory and, and for what God has promised them. And this is what it says. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves consecrate yourselves. Now that's a word that some of us may not understand, so here's what it means. Consecrate means that they were to separate themselves from common things to focus in on the Lord. It is the devotion, the devoting or setting apart of anything to the worship or service of God. So what, what Joshua is telling them from God is basically, hey, listen, you need to start setting yourself apart from some things that would, would not keep you where you need to be. You need to separate yourself from those things on the common things and begin to focus in on the Lord in a way that you never have before. It's this idea of setting apart when God, as God is consecrating us, as we choose to let him do that, it's basically this idea that we are devoting ourselves to him and putting aside the other things. I believe John even mentioned it in a prayer, but this concept of, of, of basically focusing only on God. And in our world today, that's not easy to do because there's a lot of things vying for our attention. There's a lot of things that are screaming at us, look at me, see me. And yet in this time and in this season, I believe God is saying, listen, this is a time of consecration. This is a time where you need to separate yourself from the uh, common. You need to separate yourself from the, 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 the secular and you need to focus in on me. And now we can continue on with the second part of Joshua 3, 5, because there is a second part, and I think we need to catch this. Now look at it, the whole verse. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now notice the order that we have here. What Joshua is telling them from the Lord is this idea of consecrate today for something that will come tomorrow. 
You see, if we don't consecrate today, God doing mighty great things won't take place tomorrow. A lot of times we forget that. We want God to do the great and mighty things in our hearts and our lives today, but we haven't consecrated ourselves so that he can do the extent that he wants to do them. This is on your notes. The word amazing in the Hebrew means that God will exercise his power. So when we see God will do amazing things, basically he's saying, listen, if you will consecrate yourself, if you will set aside, I will exercise my power and do great things in you and through you. But it starts with consecration. It starts with us as a people saying no to the world, no to the lies, and saying yes to him. But unfortunately, we want God to do amazing things and we think that it doesn't matter if we're consecrated or not. As the Israelites are getting ready to claim their promise, God says, consecrate yourself. And what's amazing is they did that. And as you continue in in Joshua, you begin to see the, uh, the exercising of power that God displays in their moments and in their world. Let's look at Acts. Because I believe this is where we are. This is what we see. Paul is, is sharing this in Acts 28, 27. This is what he says. For this people's hearts have grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed. Least they should see with their eyes. And hear with their ears. And understand with their heart. And turn. Once again, that idea of repentance. And I would Heal them. Where I believe a lot of us are at in the church and obviously out of the church is our hearts have grown dull. We can't hear, we can't see, we can't understand. You think about our world and where we have been and all the questions and all the fear and all those things. And, and I have seen it over and over again. And I know that for, even for me, it, it, it's crept into my life at times where it's like all the screaming and all the yelling and all the confusion and all those things. And it's like it, it, my heart has grown kind of dull to it. My, 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 I can't hear as well as I want to. I can't see. I can't understand. And here's the thing. I believe that this is the season that a lot of us are in. This is the place where so many in the church and out of the church are at. And here's the thing. I believe that if we will consecrate ourselves, God will do two things. Number one, he will heal us and open our ears, eyes, hearts, and understanding. Okay? Not only do I believe that God will, 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 will help us in this, I believe that God will literally, that eyes will be open, ears will be open, our hearts will be made soft again because we have consecrated ourselves, because we have put away those things that can yell and distract us from Him. And instead, we'll focus wholly on Him. And in that process, as He says, when we turn to Him, God will heal us and heal these things in us. He will heal our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our understanding. But He will do that. We cannot do that on our own. We cannot fix that in us. We need to exercise that in, in, in us so that God can do an amazing work through us. So that's the first thing. And the second thing, I truly believe He will exercise His power. 
I truly believe that if we will consecrate ourselves as a church, as individuals, as families, as communities, that God will respond to that and God will exercise a a move of his spirit and of his power like we have never seen before. I believe that things are getting darker and darker and darker, but I believe that God's light will shine brighter and brighter and brighter. But we have to consecrate ourselves. We have to get ourselves ready for tomorrow. We have to get ourselves ready today so we're ready for what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. Listen, I don't know if you've ever been here, but I know I have, where I'll sit there and it's today and I'm going, God, why aren't you moving? God, why haven't you done this? God, why haven't you done that? And it's almost like God speaks to my heart and says, because you weren't prepared. You didn't prepare yesterday. You didn't get your heart ready for what I want to do in you and through you today. And here's the thing, we can't fix that moment. All we can do is say, okay, I will get ready today, so I'm ready for tomorrow. And that's not always easy to understand. Look at Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55, 6 through 9, it says, this is what he says. So this is what we need to be doing. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now listen, hear me. What does this verse also indicate? What does it imply? It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Meaning, there's going to be a time where, where he's not going to be so easily found. We're to seek him today. We're to get ready today for what God wants to do. So seek him. Look for him. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. What is this saying? Listen, if you feel like you're not the wheat and you need to be, this is a helping you to get there. It's helping you to get away from being that chaff and instead be that wheat that God can use. Let him return to the Lord. That idea of repentance, that idea of turning that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Verse number eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He will exercise his power when we seek him, when we turn to him, And he will do things that are just so incredible, so amazing. His ways are so much higher than our ways. It will literally blow us away. But we got to consecrate. We have to get ready. So to kind of close this, before we take communion, I want to give you very easily, very simply, four steps to take during this season of consecration. Okay? Four steps. Now, these are not in any type of order, but they are each very important. Obviously, I think if there's one that is kind of maybe number one, it is number one. But numbers two, three, and four, we kind of move them around, but each of them are very important. So number one, step one, preparation. Preparation. Okay? Listen, we are getting ready to start a 21-day fasting and prayer time. If you wake up on the morning of the 9th and go, oh, I need to figure out how how God wants me to fast. I need to figure out what God wants me to do. I I love you, and please do the best you can, but I'm telling you right now, you're a little late. It's pretty tough to do a 21-day of anything without preparing. 
You still have a week. I've let you know almost a month ago it was coming. You still have a week. You need to begin to prepare. What does God want you to do during this time? How does he want you to respond during this time? Listen, you need to figure those things out. It's the beginning of a brand new year. Your mind's already kind of there, okay? But you got to prepare. Remember what we saw, this idea of consecration today, preparing today for what God's going to do tomorrow. So please, I'm asking you to prepare. Prepare for the time that we as a church spend together. This is such an important part of our year. Christmas is great. Easter is great. I'm not belittling those things, but this is one of the most important months that this church spends together because we come together praying and seeking the Lord while he may be found. So prepare for it. Get ready for it. Prepare today. Start today. I know it doesn't start till the ninth. It doesn't start till next Sunday. But begin your heart, preparing your heart right now. For some of you that are maybe doing a larger fast, you need to start preparing right now so that you can complete what God's asked you to do. Okay? So number one, prepare. Number two, read the scriptures. Read the scriptures. Listen, there has never been in the history of the world more information and more devotional material and more guides and more plans than there are right now. All you got to do is Google it. All you got to do is look. They're in your, your Bible apps. They're in everything. Find one and get in God's word. Some of you, you, you may want to do a reading through the Bible in a year. Awesome. For others of you, you maybe want to say, hey, listen, I'm going to take my time. Whatever it takes, just let God speak to you, but get into God's word. Hear me here. I heard it last night on a show we were watching with my family, this concept of, of, of people walking around and they're speaking about my truth, my truth, my truth. Hear me here. Hear my heart on this. There's only one truth that matters, and it's found in God's word. It doesn't mean those people aren't valuable. They're extremely valuable, but their truth is not the truth that matters. They won't be judged on their truth. They'll be truth. They'll be judged on what God's word says. But we got to figure out what the, God's truth is. How do we do that? Simple. We read his truth. We study his truth. So we look at those things. We dive in. And we hear what God's truth really is for you and for me. And here's the thing. Listen, I, I believe this with all my heart. God's truth is better than any truth you can dream up for yourself. Because God's truth says the creator of the universe who created you, loved you enough that when you ran away and abandoned him, he sent his only son to die for you because he loved you that much. That truth is a truth that's incredible. So get in there. Find God's truth and study it. Number three, fast. Fast. We, we're getting ready to do this as a church. But listen, you don't need the church as a whole to fast. Now, obviously, I want you to fast with us on, on this time. Now, whether what, what that looks like for you, it can look like lots of different things, okay? For some of you, it may be, you know, you're going to do a Daniel fast. For some of you, maybe it's going to be a different fast. Or maybe some of you, it's going to be a technology fast. Maybe it's not necessarily what you're going to not eat or eat, but it's what you're going to shut off 
during those times. I just want you to focus on God. What fasting really does is it takes our focus away from other things and it's supposed to be put on God. So whatever God asks you to do, I want you to do that. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to challenge you to go further than you ever have this year. This year, obviously we've done this. I think this will be the fifth year that we've done this, I believe. Maybe fourth. And I want you to go further this year than you ever have gone before. I want you to, you know, if you did one thing last year, that's great and that's awesome. I want you to take it one more step higher. I want us to focus completely on him during this time. So fast, fast, and let God lead you in that. Let God speak to you in that as far as what God has for you in this time. And number four, pray and seek the Lord together. Pray together, okay? Now, let's talk about what this is, what I mean by this. First and foremost, whether you realize this or not, you have a prayer meeting that could happen in your home every day as long as there's somebody in that home that loves Jesus too. Are you taking advantage of it? Husbands and wives, pray together every day. Grab your kids and pray with them. It is, it is awesome to pray by yourself and to get alone in your prayer closet. I'm not saying put that away. But I am saying there is something powerful and transforming when we come together as a family and pray and seek God's face together. Don't neglect that. If you're, if, if, if you're married, spend time with your spouse in prayer, calling out to God. If you have children or grandchildren, don't miss an opportunity to pray with them. Listen, I don't know about you, but I put my son to bed every single night. And guess what we do? We pray. Is that because we're awesome and, and, and special? No, it's because I want to teach my son how important it is to call out to his father. And it's, a, it's, it's a, such a, a powerful time. Pray together as a family. Pray together. Listen, some of you need to, to connect with people that maybe don't even live here and have an opportunity to pray with them and to call out with them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about somebody that, that I know he's watching right now and it might embarrass him, but I have a friend in, in Leo and Lisa that are in Ireland right now and if I know they're watching right now, hey guys, I love you and I miss you and it is such an encouragement to know that they're praying for me and praying for us as a church and I hope and I pray that it encourages them that they know that we're calling their names out that we're joining together, that an ocean is not too big to keep us from coming together and praying in the name of Jesus and seeing powerful things take place. But also, we're going to gather here during this time. Every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we will be here praying. I want to challenge you and encourage you to be here those nights. I know there's a lot going on. I get it. But maybe at this time, as we're consecrating ourselves, we say, you know what? I'm going to put that aside for these next three weeks. And I'm going to let myself, con I'm going to be consecrated and I'm going to push aside those distractions and I'm going to be here and calling out together. 
there is something powerful. Scripture tells us where two or more are gathered. And we need to take advantage of that and seek the Lord. So this idea of consecration is this idea of preparing, of reading God's word, of fasting, and of seeking and praying God, not just alone, which I thought was fairly obvious, but also together. I'm going to ask John to come back up. We're going to take communion. If you, if you didn't grab a communion, please do so now, because we're going, to, we're going to conclude. I thought it was fitting to conclude this morning with communion. You know, as I said earlier, I've spent a lot of time, maybe more than I should, trying to figure out the season and, and where we're at in this. And, and, and you know, because obviously, you know, let's just be honest. I mean, 2020 and 2021, who would have thunk? Who would have thunk we'd still be here where we're at today? What, you know, and I've just sat there so many times and said, God, what are you doing? God, what? What, how are you going to use this? Because here's the thing I know and I believe. God will use all things. So God, how are you going to use this? What season are we in? And it's interesting that I feel like God just brought me to that passage in Matthew. Because I believe that we have been in a season of empowerment for a long time. For a long time. I think we've been in that season of empowerment since Acts 2. <laughs> and we've been in that, that season of purity, that fire, that, that, that the Holy Spirit comes and brings. But this new season, and again, I, I believe it's been going on, but I think it's been accelerated like we've never seen before, was this, this idea of separation. And what's interesting is we see it all through Scripture as far as Jesus talks about he talks about it with the idea of the separating of the sheep and the goats. It's shown here with this, this picture of that, that individual of Jesus reaching down and throwing those things up in the air and the wind taking it away. And, and John goes one step further. He says that, that Jesus will take that chaff and it'll burn it away. And again, this morning, if you feel like, you know, maybe I'm not the wheat that God's called me to be, this is not the moment to, to say, well, that's, I don't like that, or that, this is the moment to say, God, I want to consecrate myself to be that wheat that's heavy enough to fall, so that the Lord can gather us up and put it in his barn. Do you understand the picture that I believe we are seeing in the prophecy that John is giving, folks? There's a separation. There's a gathering. And there's a placing someplace else away from the threshing floor. Look, I'm never going to stand up here and say Jesus is coming back or this is all wrapping up tomorrow. I have no idea. But I will say this, and I know this is simple, and I know you're going to go, well, duh. But we are closer today than we've ever been. Today is the day to seek the Lord. Today is the day of consecration so that we can be ready for what I believe, I really do, could be wrong, but this is Aaron speaking, will be the last amazing, great harvest before Jesus brings us home.
I don't know when that'll take place. It could be next year. It could be in 100 years. I don't know. And I'm not going to spin my wheels trying to figure it out. All I know is what Jesus came to do. And I believe the season is a season of consecration. I believe it is a season to put everything else aside and focus entirely on him. I think it is a season and a time to stop being that person that quite honestly is that an hour on a Sunday, every other Sunday or every month or whatever, and, and, and giving God a tip in the offering plate. I believe what we're seeing is we're really seeing those that are serious and those that are just playing the game. And I want to encourage you. I want to beg you. I want to ask you, no matter where you are in that spectrum, if you are serious and going after God, keep going, keep running, keep seeking. But if you're not, today is the day. Today is the day. You see, that's what's so amazing about our God. God can take chaff and turn it into wheat in a moment. And I believe God wants to do that in every single heart and every single life. So before we take communion, let's all bow our heads. Those who are online, bow your heads too. And let's talk. As we are at our first Sunday of a brand new year. I believe very strongly that this is where we are at. And I want to ask every single one that's here or that's online, I don't care if you're listening to it today or listening to it six months from now. Jesus can take you and make you brand new. Jesus can take those hurts and heal them. He can take your eyes and your heart and your ears and heal them. He can do it in such a way, and he loves to do it, but only he can do it. This is not the day to, to get upset and say, oh, this is, this is, I don't like this, this is harsh, I don't like, this is the day to understand what God's truth says. And God's truth says there will be a separation. And I wouldn't love you or care for you in the way that God's called me to without telling you what God's word says about these things. But thank God, it's not too late. Today, if you accept him, even though you may feel like chaff that's floating away, in that moment you will be changed and you will fall directly at the feet of Jesus and he will gather you up and take you to a new place in him. But I believe the season is going on right now in the church and out of the church where that winnowing fork is going in and that those things are being thrown up. And here's the thing. We saw it in our scripture. We know how this works now because we understand the process. There will be a day, there will be a time where the winnowing, the winnowing fork is put aside and the wheat will be gathered and taken into the barn. So you say to me, you say, Aaron, I want to be that wheat. How do, how do I become that we? It's simple. You turn to him. We saw it in so many scriptures this morning. We see that idea of repentance. It's turning away from the things of the world and instead turning to Jesus. It's admitting that we are sinners.
that we have that 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 that, that God's truth is what matters the most and and God's truth we have all sinned and fallen short but thanks and praise be to God that he sent his son so that we could have forgiveness of our sin and be brought into a right relationship with Jesus so that we could be saved So this morning, if that's you, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible teaches us that you will be saved. So right now, in this moment, call out to him. Call out to him. And he will change you in an instant. And behold, Although your sins were as red as scarlet, God will make you white as snow. For the rest of us that know him, we need to make a new commitment to consecration. A new commitment to consecrate ourselves. Obviously, yes, during this next month, but also in February and March, that it would literally change the way we live, the way we worship, the way we love God and others. But we start today. We prepare today. We consecrate today. And I believe if we consecrate today, there will be healings and there will be an exercise of power in our families, in this community, and in this church that we have never seen before. But listen, it won't happen unless we as a church family and as individuals consecrate ourselves before him. You want God to do something amazing? Consecrate yourself. You want God to exercise his power? Consecrate yourself. And hold on to Joshua 3, 5. And know that I don't always know when tomorrow will come, but tomorrow will come, and there God will do amazing things. But let's consecrate today. Let's make that decision today. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, you're so good. And God, I pray that that for everyone that heard this message, that Father, they wouldn't walk away discouraged because that's not what this is about. And Father, if I communicated that, Father, forgive me because that is not what you want to communicate. But you do want to communicate a time of consecration. You do want to communicate that this is a season of empowerment and purity and separation. And that God, you can do and change and you can do amazing things. And so God, we come to you and we say, God, we consecrate ourselves to you. We put aside all the other noise and we focus on you like we never have before. And we wait in expectation, claiming your promise that you will do great and mighty things tomorrow. We love you. We thank you. You're so good.
on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples for one last meal. The Bible records that Jesus taught them many things and showed them many things. And the Bible says that during the course of this evening, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he began to hand it out to his disciples. He said, I take this bread and eat it. This bread represents my body that will be broken for you. Let's take the bread together. Then Jesus took a cup and he said, the wine in this cup, it represents my blood. It represents a new covenant between God and man. A new thing. You see, we can call out to God and we can be transformed in a moment because of what Jesus did for us. Because he shed his blood for us. The Bible teaches without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And Jesus, knowing that in a very, very short amount of time, he would offer himself as a ransom for all of us, took the cup, he blessed it. He said, take this and drink it. It represents my blood that will be shed for you. Let's take the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible teaches us or tells us to, that as often as we take communion, we're to do it in remembrance of Jesus. One of the reasons why I wanted to conclude our service with communion is because I wanted it to be almost the first step of our consecration as we leave this place today. Because part of consecration is that idea of remembering. It's putting it all aside and saying today in this moment, Jesus, I focus on you. I focus on your promises, on what your truth is and what you have told me about me, about our relationship, about this world and what you've called me to be and do. And so Jesus, we remember your sacrifice. We remember the great love that not only brought you to a manger, but ultimately took you to a cross for us, for me. Jesus, we don't do this simply because it's the first Sunday of the month. We do this as an act of worship, an act of remembrance, and an act of consecration as individuals and as a family. God, you're so good. We love you so much. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you for each one that has come, those that are online. And Father, I pray that as we get ready, as we prepare as individuals and as a family for this next 21 days, that Father, it would be a time of consecration. It would be a time of of miracles. It would be a time of you exercising your power. It would be a time of healing, both physically, both spiritually and emotionally. And that, Father, at the end of this time, that every single one of us would never be the same again. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, listen, I love you. 
Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for those that are online. We love you. We miss you. We hope we see you soon. We're going to go to Jason's Deli, have some time of fellowship. If you're available, we'd love to see you there. Have a great week. If you can't be there, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Be praying, be ready, get prepared, and we'll see you soon. Love you.